Welcome to the Lionheart Podcast, where we explore the dynamics between health, spirituality, and the natural world. I'm Jenny Madison. Today, with my special guest, Melanie Gunn, we are going to delve deeply into the healing power, the sacredness, and the creativity of shamanic drumming and of the sacred plant medicines. Melly has a beautiful and interesting journey with a background and formal education in health science and transpersonal creative therapy. She has naturally evolved these simple elemental principles within her work today as a medicine woman. Melly doesn't follow any lineage or teacher per se, but rather refers to nature as her teacher. Melly now hosts and facilitates a variety of retreats, including shamanic drumming or medicine drum crafting journeys, women's circles and living nature retreats. She works very closely with her plant medicine allies. Welcome, Melly, to the Lionheart podcast. I have had the gift and the blessing to actually join you in some of your workshops and in your drumming circle. And I remember you referring to symbology and mythology of the drum. This, to me, really emphasizes the depth. Can you share a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. I mean, these are sort of things that I've only discovered in the last couple of years. My work with drums has been about 15 years, but in the last seven years, I've tapped into a wealth of resources around the history of the shamanic drum, predating religious context and right back to sort of paganism and the worship of the earth goddess, essentially. And this kind of sacred symbology of the circle is what sort of unifies all these different cultures and traditions all around the planet. Most predominantly, people are familiar with the Native American Indians and the medicine wheel. And that body of work, that cosmology that the Native American Indians have kept alive throughout time is really akin to so many other different cultures and traditions around the globe and particularly throughout Europe and the Mediterranean with the Celts and the pagans. And it basically, you know, the circle, the mandala is a symbol of wholeness, of unity, it basically, yeah, unifies all the natural laws and forces of our um, existence here in the universe and brings it all together in such a beautiful, simple, sacred way. That circle, that sounds really beautiful. And are you referring to the actual circle of the drum as well as the ceremony circle that you create while you're working with people? Yeah, absolutely. It's all interconnected. So the circle of the drum is, yeah, it's the drum itself and the circle of the drum is the embodiment of the feminine quality. It brings together the four to seven directions, the elements, the plants, the animals, the minerals, the seasonal cycles and all those things. And then also, yeah, the sitting in a circle is another symbology of that too. Yeah, it's all interconnected. Absolutely. And what about the sound of the drum? I know that people, it, is a, it can create a trance or meditative experience. What happens there? What would you say, what is the reverberation or the energy that, that comes from the beating of the drum, the playing? 
Yeah, so the drum is believed to mimic the sound, vibration and frequency of our mother's heart and the pulsing of her blood through the body whilst we're in utero. So it's the most basic, primal, first experience that we have whilst we are forming in the womb is the sound of this continuous beat of this rhythm, this pulsing, this vibration. And particularly because we're in the the embryonic fluid within the womb, that is amplified also. And so we're very much made of that sound vibration. It's very familiar and very comforting and very nurturing to us. Then it also connects us to the pulse of creation, the great mother or mother earth, And when the drum is played for three to four minutes in a continuous rhythm, essentially, it creates an entrainment with the environment. So everything in the environment, including ourselves, obviously, because we are also nature, become unified by this frequency and this vibration. And it has the power and it does elicit a deep sense of connection a deep sense of centering, of groundedness, of being held and our innate sort of um, bond with our mother and the earth. That sounds so beautiful. So knowing all of this, did you, you know, having this awareness while you were pregnant yourself, were you playing the drum for your baby or sort of using that medicine? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Whilst I was pregnant, I was actually running a small workshop for other pregnant women at the time, and myself, obviously, um, connecting with the power of sound to connect with our babies in utero. And yeah, using sound as the primary form of connection and communication. So yeah, I was definitely singing a lot and playing my drum and feeling how my baby would respond in the womb. But then also too, when I was in labor and during her birth, my support sisters that were supporting me were also playing the drum whilst she was being born. And that had such a soothing and grounding and anchoring and energizing kind of component to it that really supported me through Ayla's birth Mm. also and now Ayla has my first medicine drum that I made and (laughs) and every time the women are around or someone's here making a drum she's you know playing her little drum and Mm. it's become a very natural part of our lives actually. Let's just touch a little on the sacredness of actually making your own drum because this is the workshops that you do and it's very particular, isn't it? The, the materials that are used and the environment that you're in. Can you bring a little bit of that together? Like what is it all about, a drumming workshop, a medicine, a shamanic drum? Well, yeah, so the medicine drum also is uh, symbolic and of the death rebirth process. The medicine drum originally was often used in rites of passage. It would be used during birthing whilst women were birthing it would also be utilized as part of the death dying transition process and it was always used at different points of the seasonal cycle to represent this death and rebirth this continuous 
cycle within nature. And so the drum itself, you know, the weekends that I run, very much a ceremony and a rite of passage. It's all done very ritually. It signifies the dying of this old persona of who we were before. We had our drum, this kind of transitionary phase whilst we're labouring the creation of the drum and everything that arises through that. And then the person who steps out after those two to three days with their drum and the celebration of this arrival or this new quality or, or um, ally or instrument and tool that we then carry. And for many people, it's a really a deep remembering often it's like there's a reclaiming that's happening at the moment because all of this ancient wisdom went underground for so long. A lot of people are returning to it and realizing that they've got, they've had, it's very familiar and it's like a long lost friend. And so then also too, you know, with the materials that we use, I'm using ash tree hoops and kangaroo skins. Obviously, these plants and animals once lived upon the earth. Their life as a tree and as a kangaroo has passed. And now they've got this opportunity to be reborn as a sacred instrument. And so very much through the ceremony of crafting the drum, we're continuously giving thanks to the life of these plants and animals and then um, honouring the process of them coming to us in this moment and um, celebrating their rebirth as a sacred instrument and a sacred tool for communicating with spirit and communicating with nature. It really is a really beautiful cycle of creation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Around and around us, we also identified the beauty of the circle and there really is no death in life. It's just sort of going around and around. I mean, there mm-hmm. is back and it it's all comes back to one. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful and I really loved how you referred to your drum as your ally, giving it so much, like it's an energy, a spirit of its own, isn't it? A friend. Absolutely. I never would have imagined, you know, 16 years ago when I made my first drum that all these years later I would be crafting drums and facilitating drum workshops for people in this way. And my drum really has been a saving grace for me in times of great darkness and great challenge and difficulty and certainty and confusion. My drum has sort of come out of the darkness and illuminated so much for me and is my lifeline really through these days of my life and it's my guide rope, it's my anchor, it's my ally, it's a teacher, it's a friend. It keeps me centred in the centre of the circle which is very much the heart and that's the centre of this sacred circle is our heart and our oneness and our, you know, this fine force of love. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps me centred in love. But everybody's relationship and experience and journey with their drum is unique and different and I just find it so fascinating and inspiring. You mentioned in your sharing that 15 years ago when you made your first drum or 15, 16 years ago when you made your first drum, you couldn't imagine that you would be facilitating these sort of workshops today. So what happened in between? How did this all begin for you? Because this is very deep 
shamanic work, very creative, very different. How did it all happen? Well, I guess, I mean, I've always been an artist. I've always been extremely creative. After I made my first drum in my early 20s, I think I started studying natural medicine. I was studying transpersonal art therapy. I was really on a my own personal sort of healing journey to, I suppose, equip myself and educate myself with how I could first and foremost take care of myself. As I was growing up, I really, there was quite a great discrepancy between what I felt to be true within myself and my heart and what I saw in the world. And so I was really on a journey to try and bridge that and really equip myself with the information and knowledge and education to really live a healthy, holistic, natural, creative life for myself. And on that journey, I, you know, I did some, I traveled around the world and did some volunteering on different complementary um, healthcare organizations. And along those journeys, it was brought to my attention of, about the power plants and the work that Indigenous people had been doing with plants such as ayahuasca and wachuma and mushrooms and whole plethora of power plant spirits that I then was very naturally intrigued about. And I suppose I followed that opening in my life to really explore and enhance my sense of spirituality and my own personal healing. And through that sort of avenue, then the drum came alive for me. And it was through different ceremonies that I had participated in and different retreats that I had been to. And, you know, this whole sort of, at the time, very alternative underground world that was opening up to me and the drum and chanting and trance dancing and all these other ways to access altered states of consciousness to gain vision and guidance and clarity and a deeper sense of self sort of opened up to me. You said that you traveled and you spoke about the plant medicines and that was where did geographically <laughs> where are we speaking about now because I know you've been to several parts of South America and you have spent quite a long time there this isn't just a month or two you really made it your home didn't you for a while there yeah well it's I first encountered ayahuasca when I was traveling and was introduced to the Santa Daime church and that was in San Francisco and that's when I first found out about these medicines I'd never really heard about them before when I came back to Australia, I somehow, it just came to me and I, somebody mentioned to me that someone was traveling through that um, was sharing these ceremonies. And so my first experience of ayahuasca was in Australia. And then I did some travel through, I was in East Timor and Bali and India and I was you know, hearing about different plants like Syrian rue and all these different power plants that were being used in different ways around the world. 
spent a little bit of time in Central America where they work a lot with peyote. And then I spent some time in South America, in Peru and in Colombia where they do a lot of work with ayahuasca and San Pedro, Huachuma. But the way in which that they're worked with varies greatly between different medicine carriers, different curanderos, facilitators. And so I was really quite privileged to be exposed to quite a wide variety of ways that these plants were being utilised and primarily for healing. Mm. I was about to say, what would be the common thread if you were to sort of, you've described that it's different in different places, different cultures use the medicine differently, but there must be something that pulls it all together that you've experienced or witnessed. Yeah, I believe that the common thread is a deepening connection with nature. Mm. Ultimately is, you know, deep connection with nature to our true nature to our sort of human essence and then simultaneously connection with spirit and to the spirit realms and to our ancestors and so it really is a bridge ultimately and that's the common thread is this bridge between the spirit world and the natural world and our place as human beings within that and how to embody that and the healing that needs to for many people to take place in order to remember and return to our original innocence and our sort of original kind of naturalness or Mm. nativeness as creatures of the earth Mm. our original nature true nature Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what does it mean to you to be connected to spirit To me, it means recognising of a greater force which animates all things. So in my personal inquiry and my spiritual journey, I really resonate with this idea of animism. Animism is the belief in a supernatural power that organises and animates the material universe. And to me, that's spirit. Some people might call it God, the creator might go by different terminologies for different people but for me it's spirit or great spirit and so there's this recognition that there is this force or this source that animates all things including myself that it lives through me and is beyond my own limited ego personality framework Mm, like an like the identity we have. Yeah, beyond the identity and and it exists beyond almost, you know, beyond space and time, beyond three-dimensional reality. Mm, yeah, beyond the physical. How would yeah. you, so you spoke, you touched on ayahuasca, San Pedro or Huachuma. They're the same thing, right? <laughs> San Pedro and Huachuma, yes, they're the same thing. And spoke about mushrooms. How would you say that they work with us to help us to reconnect with nature or sorry to reconnect with spirit spirit nature kind of almost the same thing really yeah how would you say they they work for us in that way what happens in an experience like that look it's i think it's difficult to make a generalization like that about these plant spirits because they work quite uniquely and differently with different people these plant spirits appear to from my experience have a phenomenal supernatural sort of intelligence in which there is a sort of 
a relationship that is formed between the individual and the plant spirit and obviously the mediator, the curandera, the maestro, the facilitator that occurs. So there are so many components and variables. It's difficult to really generalise. Essentially, they do, the common thread is there appears to be like a dissolution of three-dimensional constructs like time and space. There appears to be somewhat dissolution of the parameters of the way that the ego works. And so they open up our perspective or our consciousness, essentially open up our consciousness in order to be able to travel beyond our kind of three-dimensional limitations and access information and vision and guidance and memories and blockages and in order to you know bring these things out of the darkness out of the unconscious into consciousness in order to be healed or brought into wholeness essentially Mm, that was so beautifully said very powerful aren't they Yeah, they're a phenomenon and phenomenon that's been on the planet for longer than we have probably recorded history and appearing now, you know, in the Western world and all over the planet at a phenomenal uh, rate and attracting a lot of interest from scientists and therapists and all sorts of people, the mainstream, because of the way in which they have this ability to really uh, be a phenomenal remedy for a lot of the modern world's illnesses or disease or dysfunction that occur in the modern world. Mm. And you're referring also to physical as well, isn't it? They help with physical healing as well as psychological shifts and openings in that sense. But they also do really, I guess it's all connected, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the mind, body, heart, soul. I mean, a lot of what I've noticed and is of seems to be attracting a lot of attention at the moment is around trauma and the way that these plants have this ability to support us in resolving trauma. And what happens in trauma often is a disassociation. And so there's to some level a, a disconnection that can happen to our embodiment, to our body, because we haven't felt safe or our life has been threatened. And these plants have this incredible ability to bring us deep into our embodiment and to to have to feel things that we may have not felt for a long time that have been, you know, we've disguised or used, preoccupied ourselves or have this ability to kind of open up our sensory perception and really be with these traumatized parts of ourselves to bring these things into wholeness. I mean, the plants themselves, they can't do it on their own. You know, the the plants, the spirits aren't miracle workers. It it really is this reciprocal relationship between the, the being that is kind of coming to commune with the plant spirit and the plant spirit and then the environment and the safety that's created in the environment for these healings to occur. What do you think it is that's generating this sort of global sense, like calling? Is it a calling? Like the, what's bringing all of a sudden now, or in, it really is of late in the last few years, that the plant medicines are coming into the West? Do you have any thoughts or insight on that? Like why now? <laughs> Well, I feel because we're in a time of just such extreme duality, 
and there's been such a tremendous movement away from the natural world you know the industrial era and technology and civilization and all these things have really kind of removed us so far from the simple pleasures and beauty of life and i suppose my feeling is that they have re-emerged at a time to try in an attempt to bring things back into harmony and to bring things back into oneness and interconnection you know all of us remembering ultimately our place on the earth regardless of our color regardless of our culture regardless of our conditioning of our tribe of our tradition stripping all these kind of constructs back and bringing us into the power of the present moment and into oneness and into harmony again so true and i love that expression of oneness and it's so true the native cultures and they truly embody that living in oneness and respect for all of all life and all the living creatures on the planet and yeah it's true isn't it we have moved into a massive disconnect and so that's a beautiful how the power plants are reaching out now to help us <laughs> come back into oneness and connection i've read a little about Hey, or I've heard you express how you have had many teachers and you've learned from many people, but you actually say that you follow the lineage of nature, that nature is your ultimate teacher. I love that. Can you speak a little about that, what that means? Okay, so, yeah, this natural affinity for nature and nature as my teacher. I really, when I think back to how I was as a child, I always had, and I believe that all children really do have this kind of innate natural affinity and curiosity of nature. I was always, you know, really mesmerised by nature and um, very much connected to those sort of fairy realms or the imaginary worlds and this kind of bridge that nature can be to this imaginary worlds. And it really fueled a lot of my creativity as a child. And same with my, you know, passion for dancing. It was the way that spirit and my body could express in a creative way and shift things and open things and yeah just give voice to pure sort of expression and in my journey I like most people which I'm seeing more and more apparent is this sort of this disconnect that occurs at some point in childhood where we where we're led to believe that we're not creative or we can't do art or we can't sing or we can't you know all these ideas of what we can't do so i you know in my late childhood and early teens there was quite a significant disconnect from that and it was very heartbreaking for me and I kind of wandered through my adolescence very lost and very confused and fortunately it didn't take long for me to uncover all these sort of clues that life had left for me through the Native American Indian cosmology through my interest in natural medicine through my natural affinity for art it sort of guided me into this very, like an apprenticeship with nature, essentially. 
and seeing this archetypal pattern that happens for a lot of people particularly with the wounded child and the wounded healer and the power that creativity and art and different forms of expression whatever they may be the power of that to bring healing and wholeness to those aspects of ourselves and so you know sitting with the fire listening to the water feeling the wind connecting being grounded on the earth all these things have really supported me through times where I've become quite confused by the Western world that I've been brought up in and conditioned in and society and all the expectations that a lot of us are exposed to. And it has, yeah, like I said, nature has very much sort of been my guide rope and lifeline and always a place to return to, like returning into the arms of the mother. And um, so, yeah, nature is very much my teacher there's so much to learn even from the seasons each year of letting go in the autumn and turning inwards over the winter and that whole death rebirth into the springtime and the, and the fullness of summer it's each year it governs and moves all of us I mean we're all we are actually as human beings we are a part of nature and yeah it's like a mirror for me, actually. It's a mirror for my own nature and a mirror for my inner teacher and my inner guide. And yeah, <laughs> that's the best that I can put it, really. Mm. No, that, that's really beautiful. And to be aware, and something that comes to mind is when you spoke about being really young and having that connection to nature and that awareness and how all young children have that, and that brings to mind you, you how differently or how consciously now you can nurture that in your own child mm -hmm. perhaps this disconnect we spoke of earlier that's happened in the west you know probably more so even more so now you know perhaps because quite often when we speak of these imaginary realms or intuition and things like this it's not recognized or it's not honored in that way is it so like that, put that aside for now and get back to logic and reason <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess that's it too. You know, we have very much astrologically, I mean, I'm not well versed in astrology, but I know that we're in a time of moving from this age of Pisces to an age of Aquarius. That in itself is a big shift from being sort of subservient to an external authority in the age of Pisces to moving to a time of being true to our own internal sovereignty in the age of Aquarius. Also this shift from this kind of very masculine, patriarchal, dominant paradigm, which is very much left hemisphere of the brain, logic, reason, proof, strategy, you know, all these kind of very masculine orientated qualities to a right brain approach, which is far more feminine, intuitive, feeling, sensing, and I feel like, a, yeah, that we are in this transitionary phase where these parts of us are reawakening and things like ritual and ceremony, dance and music, art and creativity, the quality of our food and our medicine, are, it's really becoming very essential and paramount to the well-being of humanity to return to these things that have actually always been there through all traditions and religions and cultures that have maintained wellness 
within the people. Mm, absolutely. And our visionarywellbeing.org, Mama White Lion. Bring <laughs> 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 this all together for me. <laughs> well, look, it's really interesting. When I was studying transpersonal art therapy, a lot of the work that we were doing there was on ourselves and because I had travelled away from being an artist and into exploring the sort of healing modalities, I then took on that transpersonal art therapy degree because I really wanted to re-engage with the power of creativity and power to heal. And I really felt like natural medicine, the way in which I was studying, it was really lacking this whole realm of spirit and the transcendental nature of illness. And so whilst I was studying that I had yeah this really deep inspiration or vision um, which was our visionary well of this you know the well being symbolic of this hole into the earth it's filled with water into the darkness and the thing that we put the bucket down into the well and we bring this water from the earth up to nourish us and wash us and hydrate us so our vision read well came from there and it was also to, I feel like perhaps as a visionary I'm, and all visionaries that tend to be a little bit ahead of the times, but I really have had a place in my heart for people on the planet who are going through spiritual emergencies and spiritual crisis, also known as psychosis, and the way that it's been managed, particularly in the West, you know, this dream of, you know, a place where people could actually navigate their spiritual emergencies or their psychosis in a way where they're held and that they can receive the riches that come through those breakdowns or those breakthroughs in a really held and safe and supported way rather than being medicated. Because through history, many people that would have encountered these kind of altered states of consciousness were in many traditions revered and respected and sought after because they had access to this spiritual information and knowledge. And in the Western world, it's being medicated and numbed and cut off and shut down. And people, unfortunately, are being robbed of a very profound opportunity for rebirth. And that's not to say that the medical approach is not necessary in some instances are really yeah I'm definitely not against allopathic western medicine there are some cases where it's extraordinarily helpful but for a vast proportion of people if they were actually just taken care of for a period of time 40 to 60 days they would actually come out the other side and have a spiritual breakthrough that would change their life so that's our visionary well, and I suppose, you know, it has been a, a culmination of my life journey and the things that I've studied and where it is I'm wanting to head to with supporting people in those spiritual realms and equipping myself with the tools. It really is, Mel. I've had a look at your visionarywellbeing.org. I had a good look through and your offerings. Uh, medicine, drum crafting, drum journeys and shamanic trance dance, women's retreats, living nature retreats. And I had a look through the testimonials and the people, both men and women, are sharing what you've just described, that they've had the courage to move into places that they previously feared and to 
to get into that that zone of move out of the, the comfort zone and that they felt held and nurtured so you really are doing this and mm-hmm. how to feel you're at the beginning but I think that's the way it goes you're always at, we're always at the beginning aren't we <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well at the end of something and the beginning of something else <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I've, you know, for me, it's been very much about integration and I'm, you know, I'm not quite reached my 40s. I'm very much in a period of integration of my life thus far and integrating that into whoever it is I'm becoming. And I really believe these, yeah, for me, these tools, the drum, the feathers, the dance, the music, the art, the ritual, the ceremony, these are integrative tools that will support people to integrate their spiritual healing into their life and change the way that they're living and change the planet. Mm. So what does having a lion heart mean to you? It's so beautiful to be asked this question because I'm actually a Leo. I have a Leo moon. When I first did my first sweat lodge ever when I was 18 and I had a very strong spirit animal connection with the lion. I could feel it breathing down my neck and it's been a quite a journey for me to really embody these qualities of the lion but ultimately now from where I sit as the woman I am today, for me having a lion heart means integrity. It means impeccability and loyalty to myself and to life and to my heart. It means to have the courage to face my fears and to feel my fears and to follow my heart regardless. It means, you know, I I think of the way that lionesses work together and the way that the tribe or the pride of lions work together and in me this desire to co-create and to work together with women to really sort of hunt and provide the resources for the people, for the family, and to protect the young. And it's really my lion heart has, when I feel into that place, I feel my connection with the fire. I feel my connection with the light in the darkness. I feel my connection with the sun, which is, you know, the ruling planet of Leo and all the kind of symbology in that. And also the sacred holy heart. I'm very much akin with um, Mary Magdalene, despite not being hugely religious. I very much feel aligned with her qualities as this holy mother and her compassionate heart. And... Yeah, Lionheart means to me the the power of love to really unify all duality into oneness and to stand really strong for what's of value and importance to me. And, yeah, the more, you know, this mama white lion totem that has been really strong with me since birthing my daughter is this, you know, an ability to embody the instincts and the quality and the nature of these allies, these totems. And the white lion is a very strong totem and ally for me. If people, yeah, you can 
there's information on the white lions and what they're sort of enduring in captivity and yet their connection with the Pleiades and Sirius and their kind of the spiritual domain that they inhabit. So all of those things (laughs) to me um, really embody the meaning of having a lion heart. I know you learned how to sing and that took a lot of courage for you, didn't it? Would that be an example of where you really took a few major leaps into your lion heart? You do beautiful music now. I've got some of the CDs where you're playing your incredible, incredible music. So, yeah, was that a bit of a lion heart embodiment for you? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, and it's really beautiful that you've brought that up because I feel like that actually ties all of this together perfectly because as a child, I had quite a, a severe wounding that occurred when I was about eight years old and around my voice. And I won't go into the details, but essentially it led to complete shutdown of my voice. I wouldn't sing around my friends. I just stopped singing completely and I, you know, would go through periods of being really jealous of other people who could sing and I really wanted to sing, but just the sound of my own voice created quite a physiological repulsion in me. And it wasn't then until I was a good four years into working with the plants that I started to really have to address this wounding and really look at all the blockages and limitations and ideas that I had created, judgments around myself and my voice. And then through working with the plants is really how I healed that trauma. And then that healing that occurred and and this like release of and liberation of all of that from my heart through my throat chakra into the world, it was almost as though it actually didn't and doesn't matter what I sound like. It's that when I'm singing from my heart, it emits this power and frequency of healing because of the healing and liberation that I received in myself. Yeah, so it's taken a lot of courage <laughs> to share my voice and still, you know, come up against my inner critic and always remember that this voice and this expression and this sound is coming from my heart and from there it's from there that there there is actually no judgment i think the dalai lama actually you know has a quote of he's been asked what is love and his response is love is the absence of judgment and so from that place yeah miracles happen and my heart has you know been able to sing again Thank you for spending your precious time listening to this podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed. You can find some helpful links related to the topics we have discussed, download some freebies and join our Lionheart community by visiting our website, lionheartworkshops.com. To view this specific podcast blog, click on podcast at the main menu. Please also share this with friends, hit subscribe and leave us a review so that these ideas can continue to spread. Those pretty little stars help others to find us. The Lionheart Podcast and Lionheart Online Workshops is an online platform and community designed to enhance your health, natural and spiritual well-being. 
Until next time, please think about how you will embody your lion heart and reach your highest potential as the amazing human being that you are.